everybody, to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Serlo, and I am very, very happy to have you listening to another delightful and savory episode of the podcast. Uh, we got a lot to get into today, but uh, the majority of the podcast is going to be uh, a portion of an interview that I did with golf course designer Brett Hochstein uh, that we recorded about a week and a half ago. Uh, Brett was kind enough to give me a couple hours of his time in addition to uh, a round of golf that we got to play beforehand. So uh, I'm going to be splitting up the interview into two parts. Uh, the first part of it we'll be sharing today, and then uh, the second half of that interview will be dropping in another episode at some point in the coming weeks. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into a little bit of news. And before that, I'd like to remind all of you that this episode of the Golf Guide Podcast is presented to you by Health IQ, a life insurance company for healthy folks. That's right. Okay, let's jump into this week's news. So last weekend uh, was the Waste Management Open, the biggest party on the PGA Tour. That's right. And uh, it looks uh, Gary Woodland uh, prevailed victorious, uh, defeated Chez Rivi. I, I, mean, I really don't know if I'm saying that right. I just like saying the name in some sort of weird way. So my, my apologies, Chez. Uh, but anyway, uh, great tournament. Comes down to the wire yet again. And uh, my couple takeaways from the tournament watching this past weekend is it seems like that tournament is louder than ever. Um, I mean, for the past, you know, yeah, however many years, I, I, I can't remember a time where it was otherwise, but, I mean, it has been the one stop on tour where uh, loud, drunken behavior is not only tolerated, uh, but almost borderline encouraged. Uh, all of you listening are probably already familiar with the famous 16th hole, the par 3 that's set up as a, a mini stadium of sorts. And uh, it, this year it seemed like things were even crazier than I remember them being in the past. Um, you know, back you know on the interwebs you were seeing all kinds of videos of people getting just shit-faced and streaking and getting, you know, getting themselves naked and running around. It was it was just wild, man. I don't remember seeing that kind of stuff in the past. And, you know, it, it, it begged the question to me is how far will the PGA Tour and um, the powers that be at the Waste Management Open allow this to go before they have to try to reel it back in a little bit? Um, it, it, I think it's great. I think it's a really fun atmosphere. I think not only the fans, but the players really enjoy that it's a, it's just different from the rest of the grind that is the PGA Tour. Um, that being said, you know from a couple articles that I read, it's very obvious that most of the players enjoy it, but don't want that atmosphere to be popping up at other events on tour. And most specifically, um, the articles I was reading was you know relating to the 16th hole because you know it gets so much fanfare. This huge you know. Tens of thousands of people up in the stands watching this one golf hole. The atmosphere is, you know, unparalleled. It's unlike anything else on tour. And a couple of tour players were, you know, asked, hey, would you like to see more stuff like this 16th hole at other events on the PGA Tour? And from what I read, it was a pretty, it was a pretty resounding no. Um, while it is great at the Waste Management Open, it, it's not something that a lot of tour players would like to see at other events. I, I think not only... If it was at other events, would it make the 16th less special? But I think it's just also such a crazy special circumstance um, where, you know, the, they put up with it because they only have to put up with it once a year. Um, and I, it was just really odd. And I, I certainly don't want to see the 16th or, you know, the, the crowd's enthusiasm and just general just debaucherous behavior uh, tamed back. Um, but I also fear that, if it continues on the current trend and things get a little crazier and a little crazier that in five or ten years from now, the Waste Management Open may be a little different from uh, what we are seeing today. Um, and I, I guess the bummer is my, my biggest takeaway from the tournament was that and not so much Gary Woodland uh, winning on the PGA Tour. So it's too bad for Gary, but it's good for the fans. I mean, they had something like 160,000 spectators at the Waste Management Open, which was pretty damn cool. Um you know, our, uh, our senior writer at Golf Guide, Rick Vasek, wrote an interesting article that's now posted on golfguide.net about his experience. He was at the tournament for a day, and, you know, he kind of uh, went into some things about, you know, what it's like as a spectator at that event and how, you know, the, the benefits of being a spectator 
at a professional golf event, you know, and how they compare to being a spectator at other events. And it was really interesting. So if you have a, a couple of minutes, I would encourage you to go read Rick's article on golfguide.net. And uh, that about does it for the Waste Management Open. Um, and, and a quick note, I did see an article over the weekend from Jeff Shackelford um, where he went back to address the slow play that we had talked about a little bit on last week's podcast and J.B. Holmes's four-minute-plus debacle on the 18th hole at Torrey Pines. And uh, Jeff had just mentioned that uh, the PGA Tour's now commissioner uh, really passed on using it as an opportunity to, I, I guess, you know, not encourage that kind of behavior. Um, the, the commissioner came out and said he was okay with J.B. Holmes. He was not penalized after the fact. And I think it's a little bit of a black eye um, for golf in the game. Uh, a lot of people were tuning in at the end of that Tory Pines event because the Grammys was on that same channel right afterwards. So you had a lot of non-traditional golf viewers uh, watching the end of that tournament. And when you see J.B. Holmes taking four minutes to you know decide he's going to lay up, uh, that's not doing the game any good. And if, if golf is really trying to expand uh, its viewership and its interest in the sport, uh, doing crap like that is is most certainly not going to help. Um, most other professional sports, baseball um, and basketball, most specifically baseball, with the you know trying out some ideas like a pitch clock and some other stuff. I mean, none of it too successful so far. But baseball is making an effort to make the games go faster. Basketball's got rid of a lot of uh, required TV timeouts that has allowed the game flow to be much, much more smooth. And uh, it seems like golf is just stuck. Uh, it, it just can't, you know, it can't get out of its own way and just keeps tripping over itself with regards to the pace of play issues that it's experiencing on the PGA Tour. And as we all know, uh, as things go on the PGA Tour, those habits and trends kind of trickle down to the amateurs because, you know, when you see the best guys in the world acting a certain way, you know, it, it's it's just people's natural instinct to uh, to want to replicate it. And uh, if J.B. Holmes and players like that uh, continue to take several minutes over a ball, it, it's just bad news for all of us. So uh, I encourage you to go read Jeff's article on his website, jeffshackelford.com, and go check that out if you are interested. And now to the biggest news of this week. That is that the PGA Tour is coming right into our own backyard for all the Northern California golfers out there. This is annually the best the best opportunity to go see the PGA Tour at one of the world's best golf courses. I am, of course, talking about the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am that is going to be contested this weekend on the Monterey Peninsula. Um, as has been the case in the past couple of years, the tournament will be contested at three golf courses, uh, most notably Pebble Beach, and will also uh, be contested at Spyglass Hill and Monterey Peninsula Country Club's Shore Course. God damn it. I really, really hope I've got that one right. I, I, I seem like I always confuse the dunes and the shore course, and it's just it's just kind of embarrassing. So, uh, But yeah, it is going to be the shore course designed by the late, great Mike Strands, who uh, also designed um, courses like Tobacco Road in the uh, Carolina Sandhills. I believe he also did Silver Creek Valley or did a redo of Silver Creek Valley down near San Jose. And uh, uh, Mike Strands is a very, or was a very, very talented golf architect, had himself an absolutely fantastically mean mustache. And uh, overall, from you know every account that I've ever read, seemed like a fantastic guy. So... Um, the short course uh, obviously is private. Uh, it's not open to public play, um, but Pebble and Spyglass are both owned and managed by the Pebble Beach Company. Those are both open to public play, and they also both rank among uh, the country's very best public access golf courses. So it's going to be a lot of fun to check the tournament out this weekend. Jordan Spieth is the defending champion. He won by four strokes last year, even though he took a uh, a seven-shot lead into the final round. He ended up winning by four. And it's just going to be a really good time. we got some great uh, celebrities in the field this year. And uh, unlike some other uh, tournaments on the PGA Tour, the cut for the AT&T Pro-Am is going to be after three rounds. So the format is going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, each professional is teamed up with an amateur. And uh, those teams compete for three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they will play one round at each of the three courses in the rotation. Um, the celebrities this year, of course, headlined by the one and only William Murray, who just continues to be probably the biggest draw 
Um, and he also is just so kick-ass with all the fans. You know, when he's going around, he's playing those golf courses. He's engaging with the crowd. He's keeping, you know, he's keeping the mood lighthearted. It's a, and it's just a ton of fun to follow him. Uh, and then you got other celebrities, of course, like the Justin Timberlakes, uh, Sports Illustrated, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit phenomenon Kelly Rohrbach uh, is going to be competing, uh, and just a bunch of other folks. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I heard Larry the Cable Guy is back uh, for better or for worse. So to take that as you will, um, and so yeah, it's just going to be a really unbelievably fun golf tournament this weekend uh they've already got stuff going on uh we're recording this on wednesday uh the day before the action starts on february 7th and uh, i believe there's an event going on today uh but then the big tournament will start tomorrow and i encourage as many of you as possible uh to tune in and um and if you can actually get down there for a day or two this week or this weekend by all means do anything you have to do to go and check it out it's going to be a spectacular time um and if you are, in fact, going to go down, uh, a lot of good golf to be played down there. I'm sure a lot of the golf courses are going to be busy, obviously, with tens of thousands of people coming and flooding the Monterey Peninsula. Um, if you're looking to get a hotel, don't. They're probably already all sold out. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean you can't stay with a friend or you can't stay somewhere close by in like a Salinas or uh, you know, or somewhere south in the Bay Area where maybe it's an hour's drive down there. Uh, if you're looking to play some golf, um, I'd highly encourage you guys to check, you know, there was, there's so much good golf in Monterey. I think that's why Monterey is the golf mecca that it is. Um, obviously you have Pebble Beach, which is the most famous public golf course in America, but you know, it, it's just crazy. As I was looking through my golf guide magazine again, it, it, I was just reminded of how much of the good golf in Monterey is open to the public where, you know, most other metropolitan areas that you go to around the uh, United States, um, most of the best golf is private and is not available for people like you and I to go play. And Monterey is most certainly the exception. Now, um, they, of course, do have, you know, ultra high-end, you know, some of the best golf courses in the world that are private, most notably a Cypress Point, uh, Monterey Peninsula Country Club, the Preserve, Tehama, what, what have you. But when you think about all the public access golf on the Monterey Peninsula, it really is unrivaled. I mean, Pebble Beach, Spyglass Hill, the links at Spanish Bay, Del Monte, the poor man's Pebble Beach, which is Pacific Grove, Monterey Pines, right next to Del Monte, which is an old military golf course. It's like a par 69. You know, it's, I think it's just under 6,000 yards, but God damn, is it a ton of fun. Um, just so much good golf down there that anybody can go play. And so if you, whether you're down there this weekend for the tournament or you're going to be taking a trip down to Monterey uh, in the near future or this summer, um, just make sure you get a round or two of golf in while you're down there. I mean, obviously, you're listening to a golf podcast, so it kind of goes without saying. So my apologies for being, uh, you know, just overly, just, just for just being a straight-up nincompoop. But, uh, yeah, but Monterey's golf is fantastic. Go watch the Pro-Am this weekend. It's going to be awesome and play some golf if you are down in the area as well. All right. Um, without any further delay, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Brett Hochstein, uh, golf course architect, designer. Um, again, from an interview that we recorded a couple of weeks ago, um, we're, we're going to play roughly about half of that interview, and then uh, we'll save the second half for uh, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, for some point again here in the next couple of weeks. But before we get to Brett, uh, I got a quick announcement and then a word from our sponsor. All right, if you're listening to this podcast, it's pretty obvious that you like to play golf. I know, Kyle, how could you be so smart and figure that one out all on your own? Well, what can I say? Um, Golf Guide is putting on a play day at Green Valley Country Club next month. Uh, we had originally scheduled to do this play day last fall, but then uh, this thing called the the big old North Bay fire happened uh, right around the same time. So we went ahead and put it off until this spring. And we are really excited to be able to share this with all of you guys. We have uh, negotiated with the powers that be at Green Valley Country Club uh, to get you guys access to this private golf club 
uh, on the, you know, right on the fringes of the Northern California wine country. It is an absolutely exceptional golf course um, that is just in unbelievably good shape. So if you want an opportunity to play this private golf course with myself, uh, a couple of other the other people at Golf Guide and a bunch of our friends, we are going to be playing on Monday, March 12th. And uh, for $90, uh, you're going to get a round of golf, uh, a cart, and lunch. And it's crazy, man. Like, I, I didn't ever realize it, but uh, if, you, if, if you're a member at Green Valley Country Club, it costs 100 bucks just to be able to bring a guest out. And so for $90, you not only get access to the golf course, uh, but you get a great lunch to go along with it as well. It's going to be a really, really fun day. Uh, there's no tournament aspect to it. I mean, we just want people to come out and enjoy an afternoon of golf. Um, so if you are interested in signing up, uh, there's only a few spots left available. The event is limited to 36 players, and as of this morning, we had about 16 to 17 spots left. So if you want to register, go to golfguide.net and visit the store and uh, or in the search bar at the top of Golf Guide's homepage. Just type in Green Valley, okay, and that'll take you to Green Valley Country Club's page on the Golf Guide website. And you just want to purchase the Play Day Certificate at the top of the Green Valley page on golfguide.net. That'll get you in. Uh, we'll meet you at the golf course at 1030. Uh, hang out for a little bit, roll some balls, get some food, and then we'll hit the tee. You know, hit the first tee at 12 noon and have a great, fun day out on the golf course. It is the day after daylight savings, so the weather should be good. The day is going to be at least an hour longer than it was two days beforehand. And it's just going to be a really, really good time. So once again, the Green Valley Country Club Play Day, Monday, March 12th. Tickets are 90 bucks, and they can be found at golfguide.net by going to Green Valley Country Club's page on our website and purchasing the Play Day Golf Certificate. All right. And before we get to Brett, one last word from today's sponsor. All right, all of you savages, let's talk a little life insurance uh, presented by Health IQ. That's right. Uh, Health IQ is a sponsor of the Golf Guide podcast, and they are an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, vegetarians, uh, and hey, and golfers uh, get lower rates on their life insurance. Um, like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. Um, health IQ. I would say 56% of Health IQ's customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance, and these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Um, Health IQ can save customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, and they have a 20% lower risk of cancer, as well as a 58% less uh, risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. Um, so if you are a somewhat healthy person and you do things like track your steps with say, you know, a Fitbit or, or something like that, and you, you're able to prove uh, that you lead a somewhat healthy lifestyle, I encourage you to visit healthiq.com forward slash golf guide to support the show and to see if you qualify again, to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance, um, visit healthiq.com forward slash golf guide. Or mention the promo code Golf Guide when you talk to a Health IQ agent. Once again, that's healthiq.com forward slash golf guide. All right, and with that, let's get into our interview with Brett Hockstein of Hockstein Design. Uh, Brett, I want to thank you very again for coming on the podcast. Uh, it seemed like when I started recording, we were already kind of mid conversation, so we're just going to jump right into it. Or Brett uh, begins going over a little bit of his background. And so, again, without any further delay, here is Brett Hockstein on the Golf Guide podcast. I am from uh, Oakland County, Michigan, uh, yeah. just outside of Detroit. Um, lived there uh, basically, you know, before I went away, went away to college, and uh, just a year or two after, uh, before finding myself out here on the West Coast. Uh, basically, chasing my now wife, and uh, you know, obviously that worked out well. Um, uh, I've been in, uh, love with golf basically since I've, my dad first started taking me out on, on the course when I was four years old. Okay. And, uh, it wasn't, so I, I've heard this question be asked in other, you know, podcasts, uh, like, so what was your, your moment, uh, that, that 
you know, it all clicked for you. And I'm I, glad you asked yourself so I didn't have to be the guy to just jump it, in and ask okay, you. Okay, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to cover two birds with one stone here uh, because there wasn't, I mean, the moment was just right away. It wasn't, the course that I was playing at was not good. Okay. <laughs> it, it, was, still, it, it still exists in, in just down the road, and it's in a, in a different form now. But, I mean, it's kind of like a lowland, you know, you know, floodplain almost type course. It was through a bunch of willow trees. and But to me, it was just so cool hitting this ball around, you know, just having these different, you know, avenues of play and mm-hmm. having the sand bunkers and greens and eventually trying to get this ball into this hole with a flag. And I, I, I don't know, just the whole thing just really seemed cool to me. Like I kept taking my ball and throwing it in the sand and trying to hit it out of it. Just, I, I thought it was neat. So, I mean, it just it evolved into me just spending almost all my time thinking about golf and drawing golf holes and collecting scorecards. I always collected the scorecards. Still do. And uh, It's a healthy habit. Yeah. yeah. Or at least not an unhealthy habit. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And now it's there's actually a practical, uh, you know, aspect of it is it helps sure. me remember what I saw and be able to go back and uh, you know review things and keep it fresh there are some people that uh, when they play a golf course no matter whether they played it one time or you know 50 times there's some people that have that memory or if you say oh yeah this golf course this hole and immediately they're like bam they can see the whole thing in their head are, are you one of those those cats who has a, a almost photographic memory of courses that you've played or do you find that the scorecards are kind of that um, that little piece of the puzzle that you kind of need to kind of trigger uh, all the other thoughts and maybe notes, you know, mental notes you had made about a golf course. I wouldn't say it's uh, photographic across the board, but there's definitely when <clears throat> there's something that uh, really stands out to me, mm-hmm. uh, it'll, yeah, it'll stick in my mind pretty well and I'll be able to, I can see it. Um, but, you know, there's other times where, you know, you're zipping around, you're going pretty quick and, if maybe you're playing in the case of playing and if you're having an erratic day where you're hitting it all over the place you might not you might miss some things so it's kind of sure. good to go back and be able to you know look at it again um so no i think that's awesome now so it sounds to me like your love of golf generally and your desire to maybe possibly design golf courses one day were kind of one and the same. It wasn't like you fell in love with golf and then after playing this, you know, golf for a certain amount of time, you're like, you know what? I'd like to build these things. That's, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was saying as early as kindergarten that I wanted to be a golf designer when I grew up, which is, yeah, it's pretty weird. (laughs) Do (laughs) do you or your family still have all of, you know, your sketches that you would do on placemats and stuff like that saved somewhere? Uh, We still have some of them. I have a couple uh, uh, buried away in my office. Uh, I've been meaning to kind of get some of them framed. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for my first, uh, you know, big original uh, course design, and I can put the two next to each other. That'd be pretty neat. My question is, have you looked at any of them even, you know, remotely recently? Oh, I, I yeah, I know what they look like. They are they are primitive. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do you look at it and I'll be like, man, what the hell was I oh, thinking? It's like, it's like, that fairway's 45,000 yards wide. And oh, it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like aliens designed the course. Yeah. It's, I, <laughs> I've got all these like long, uh, these, you know, because back then rectangular tees were popular. So I've just got these big giant ones. And I just, <laughs> I marked out the little tee markers and I'd have like 11 of them in a row, like on some holes. And That's awesome. it'd be like a a dog leg out and then it'd come like almost directly back or like you'd have like just a mountain of trees 160 like, right, degree right, dog leg right in front of the right in front of the tee box like you just have to hit over these trees and it's like yeah it's oh that's <laughs> awesome you've come a long way my friend <laughs> uh which is awesome so obviously at a young age you knew you wanted to be a golf course architect what uh you mind taking us through some of the steps like you know between knowing that this is what you wanted to do and today we we're actually working you know with with architects and you know doing a lot of design work, uh, what, what was the process and, and the steps you had to go to get to where you are today in terms of education, uh, work experience? I don't know if you had internships. Do you mind just kind of giving us a kind of brief overview on how you actually came to be at the position you are today, at least within the golf design industry? Yeah. Uh, I'll say the first two things I'll say about it is that, uh, one, there's no clear road. Uh, there's a lot of ways that you can go about it. And two... It really requires uh, support from the people around you too. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, especially, you know, heck, I, I graduated in 2008, and that was not the time to, you know, any industry, but golf design especially. It was, I mean, I couldn't get a job as a laborer on any crew. Yeah. It's, so it was not a time where the economy was yeah. necessarily flushed with recreational cash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. That was kind of the uh, the first thing to go. <laughs> um, uh, but hey, you weathered the storm. You know, you, you're still here doing it today. So I mean, yeah. that's uh, you know the tip of the cap to you that you were yeah. able to, uh, like I said, weather the storm. I think that's great. So yeah. there's no clear path. Obviously, I think most golf course architects usually go and get some sort of a landscape architecture based education. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, it seems like every you know. Every guy you talk to in this industry um, did, like you said, have a little bit of a different road to get there. So I'm kind of curious what, uh, what what yours was like. So, yeah, um, I, I kind of figured out that landscape architecture seemed like the, the best way to go. And uh, yeah, I looked around at different programs and uh, it was actually my senior uh, high school English teacher, uh, Don Ambrose, I'll give him a shout out here if he ever listens. Um, Respect, Don. He's he's a big golf architecture geek, so uh, just like uh, you know a lot of us. Um, but uh, he uh, he was a big fan of uh, Tom Dokes, and you know I I had, I had known about Tom because growing up in Michigan, and I'd never played High Point, but I'd, I'd known about it, and uh, so he he mentioned uh, that he had gone through this program at Cornell, which is you know, the landscape architecture program there and was able to go to Scotland and all that afterwards and do this, uh, most importantly, the, uh, you know, the curriculum was really kind of, you you had to develop a concentration within. So at least a minimum of 15 credits was developed or devoted to that concentration. Mine was obviously, uh, golf course architecture. So that was good. I got to, you know, take a lot of uh, turf grass uh, courses uh, with the uh, you know, great uh, Dr. Frank Rossi, you know, guy who really knows his stuff. Um, you know, agronomy, you know, a few other things that you know kind of apply to you know the other side of golf design. And, and these are all classes that actually Cornell offered, like uh, on on their campus that you could go take, yeah, or these yeah. things you had to go seek out on your own. No, they were they're all okay. on, on campus and. Uh, another thing that was good is I was able to do my own design studio at the uh, as my, uh, for my senior year, and uh, yeah, it was cool. So I I picked out a plot of land. Uh, I I went to the, the map library and uh, found uh, looked up all the maps that they had for local areas that had a you know the smallest contour interval they had was five feet. So I went off that, okay. and I just went until I found uh, you know an open field that had the most interesting ones and. Uh, it was pretty small plot, so I just did nine holes, and I had uh, Mike DeVries critique, critique it, which was pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, that's great. So, but, I, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, going back to Mike, this uh, you know, look, one of the things I did while I was at school is I, I did a turf grass uh, internship. I was on the maintenance crew up at uh, Kingsley Club, mm-hmm. uh, which they also were doing a bunch of, you know, bunkers and... Uh, you know, some fairway extensions and things like that. So that was like really exciting experience for me to, you know, learn how those processes uh, went. And I also got to, you know, get to know Mike up there too, which is sure. really good and cool. D- did you know Mike before uh, you went to go work on that project for your, no. your turf internship? No, it was first time. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you have that going on. You're starting to get uh, a little familiar with different you know, types of turf and all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. that. Was there... Was was that kind of the majority of, or was that it for internships per se? And then after that, it was kind of just you trying to find your way onto different crews and working on projects and stuff like that? Yeah, that was sort of the focus. Uh, yeah, I kind of learned, you know, through Tom's book and uh, a few other people that I've met, uh, you know, getting on construction crews, getting out in the field, getting, doing that, that is going to be kind of the way to do it. Um, so, like I said, you know, 2008 came around. I actually had plans... Uh, to study at uh, the Edinburgh College of Art afterwards. Uh, they had a golf architecture program, mm. a master's, yeah. And uh, they 
that they withdrew that uh, about a month and a half or so before I was to go over there. So I very really, convenient. Yeah, I was really uh, kind of just stranded yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the financial crisis. So uh, it was, you know, back to square one. I was just trying to find a way to get over there, and eventually uh, it came across. I don't know how I didn't come across it before, but uh, there's a small college nearby, mm-hmm. St. Andrews, uh, called Elmwood College, and uh, they offer. Yeah, it's basically, uh, you know, they have a turf grass program uh, for, okay. you know, greenkeepers over there. And it's also, yeah, I've read the course list, and it's really about hands-on, um, you know, a hands-on approach to it. And there's, like, you know, a real golf course component to it, like golf course design. Okay. Which was pretty neat. So it's like, you know, this really works. I mean, maybe it's a technically kind of a step back uh, as far as like level of education but it's it's perfect for what i want to do and it gets mm-hmm. me over there and it gets me close to st andrews and so it you know that uh that really worked out well yeah which is great and so you're going to school over outside of st andrews um getting a little familiar with turf keeping greens and not just keeping greens but keeping fairways and tees and everything like that mm-hmm. um and so at what point then were you able to finally finagle your way onto an actual project of, uh, of building a golf course? So I spent, uh, I was, I, like I said, I moved out here, uh, uh, California in 2010, uh, worked on artificial greens for a little while, uh, decided it wasn't quite for me. Um, and then I just spent a lot of time just, you know, writing different architects, kind of bugging them. And eventually, uh, uh, Forrest Richardson actually, uh, you know, you know, gave me a couple ideas to, you know, maybe kind of keep busy, some do some research for him, uh, especially on a local project uh, here, uh, Mira Vista, mm-hmm. which I think they've gone back and uh, called it the Berkeley Country Club again. Yeah. Uh, they've gone back to the original name of yes. Berkeley Country Club. Yes, it's Berkeley once again. Um, <laughs> Even though it's in El Cerrito. Yes. <laughs> but, but that's just the mailing address. It's, you know, it's Berkeley in spirit, it, I guess. <laughs> spiritually, it does feel kind of Berkeley-esque, so that, that, that's a good yeah. point. Yes. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I did some research. I, you know, sat in on some meetings and other stuff like that, and eventually it came point to, you know, they're going to get the thing going in the dirt, and, you know, he was able to help get me on uh, the construction crew there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as a laborer, you know, nothing big and you know, fancy or anything like that. You know, I was going to be spending most of my time, uh, you know, rake and shovel and that sort of thing, which I was fine with, you know, all for it. Uh, it was a good way to learn. And, uh, you know, Kai Golby was also out there as one of the shapers. And, uh, you know, I spent some time with Kai, you know, you know, helping with, you know, grades and all that. And, but also just, uh, you know, going out to lunch or, you know, uh, if we got rained out, you know, going and hanging out with him and you know he's done a lot of work with uh, Tom Doak and mm-hmm. he's he's a really talented uh you know smart guy uh, really knows golf architecture and um it kind of rekindled my you know interest in working for someone like Tom mm-hmm. and uh I don't know almost seemingly out of out of the blue you know, I get this email uh while I'm out there working <laughs> from uh, Tom, it's to a, a number of people asking if there's any interest in uh, going to China to learn how to, you know, not learn how to shape, but uh, if anybody wants to go to China to, you know, help them shape a golf course. And, you know, if you had no experience, he was willing to, you know, have the guys help teach you. And I was just like. At that point, you're kind of yeah, like the like, kid sitting in like, the back of the classroom oh, when the like, teacher asks a question like, and you actually know the answer. You're almost touching yeah, the ceiling yeah. with, you, with your right hand. <laughs> please, sir, please, yeah. please make me. And it's like, at first it was like, oh my gosh, I might be going to China. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Had I, you been to China before? Oh, no. Okay. No, no. no. <laughs> I, I've been to Europe a couple of times, but never Asia. No. Okay. Man, that is, that is super exciting. So I'm assuming that you get this email and yeah, before so you can actually a, get to your keyboard, you're already typing out your response. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I spent the rest of the day, you know, like while I'm working out there, like just thinking about like what I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> as soon as I get home, I, you know, type it all out and send it back. And with, yeah, what a, with what a, a brilliant, enthusiasm. awesome, uh, just, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it luck, but that's, you know, what a great opportunity. 
just kind of come in well, seemingly out of the middle of nowhere, right? He, he titled the, the the email Opportunity Knocks, which is was, was very pr- mystical, Tom. Pretty apt. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of easy to be, uh, given the time, it's still 2010. Right. Barely anything was going on. Well, I'm assuming that at that point there was a hell of a lot more development going on outside of the continental, or even outside of the United yeah. States in yeah, general. Especially, yeah, especially Asia. Asia. And that was before, you know, the government went and really cracked down. Yeah, no, I don't want to run it. So uh, what was the name of this golf course that you were working on in China? Uh, it, I think they were going to rename it, but uh, at, at the time it was Simapo Island. Simapo Island. and oh, Shimapo. Shimapo. And that's how it would actually be pronounced, but I'm not sure. Is it somewhere that people can go play? What 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 became of the project? Like how how, how did that experience go? First of all, you get over there, um, opportunity is knocking, so yeah. you follow the opportunity. What what was your experience like working over there with Tom? Well, uh, obviously, overall the experience was awesome. It sure. was, but it was it was a bit of a struggle at first. I mean. <laughs> Just, just because of, was it uh, cultural struggles in terms of just being in China was, or just, you know, there was so much information that you're trying to learn. It was kind of overwhelming or uh, just, you might take me through it for, for a minute or two. Exactly. It was, it was just mostly project related. Uh, you know, they just really wanted to get going and, uh, you know, maybe we were probably over there a little bit too early. Um, but so a bit of a, you know, some headaches, you know, trying to, you know, get them going, wait sure. some things out. But uh, it was it was still a good opportunity for, you know, me to, you know, get on the machines and, you know, push around and kind of learn and yeah. you know, kind of get a really good feel for things before we really ended up getting going, which we, which we did. Okay. Which is great. And actually, this is one of my questions that I actually had already uh, uh, written out beforehand, which, by the way, to all of you listening, I never write down questions beforehand. Brett, Brett is getting the uh, the special the special guest treatment, so it you may have actually just answered it. But what, one of my questions was, where and how do you learn to drive a bulldozer and use all this crazy equipment that you have to that you need to know how to use to build a golf course? Is it kind of just, you know, get on there and figure it out, or I mean, is there classes that are, you have to get a license? I mean, how, how does how do you how does one learn to use all this equipment that you need to build a golf course? outside of my own exact experience i'm not really sure okay. <laughs> so <laughs> i mean i know how it worked out for me uh you know through this opportunity and you know i obviously had wanted to and so i was just kind of you know sniffing around and eventually I, if i was still working with the contract i probably would have kept bugging him like, hey, let me let me give it a try at that sure it, it wouldn't have been the same at all so, so for you, was it basically just a matter of getting over there and something yeah. needed to get done? Yeah. And I mean, did you already at least know what uh, pieces of equipment were needed for what specific kind of jobs, or is that the kind of stuff you were also learning on the fly when you got there? Um, you kind of, I mean, you generally know like what you need for you know, what a what a bulldozer should be doing and what an excavator should be doing. Um, well, for the simpletons out there like myself, and I'm sure a, a good portion of the people listening. Um, what, what what are some of the biggest tools? Like, say, if you're building a golf course, what are the pieces of heavy equipment that you absolutely need uh, to build a golf course? Bulldozer, an excavator, uh, anything mm-hmm. else? Or are those pretty much the two main pieces of equipment that, that you'll be using? I mean, you can pretty much, uh, especially if you get the right sizes, that's really where you're going to you know, make hay. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, and then, you know, you get down to the finer tools and, you know, your little uh, three... You know, triplex uh, three-wheel sand pro with a front blade and a back rake. Uh, you use that to help, uh, you know, create little contours and float things off and smooth them out. And uh, you got your rake and shovel, too, which are still very handy. Trusty tools. Yes. And much less complicated. Yeah. <laughs> which is good. So did it take you a while to get the hang of how to... I mean, uh, so this first initial project that you were doing over in China, were you doing a good portion of the actual shaping uh, out there, or is that something where you know a lot of golf courses will actually bring in a, actu- you know, a quote unquote shaper to do a lot of that work, where maybe guys like yourself were doing some of the other stuff. How, how exactly does all that work? No, I mean it was a big time. Uh, I mean it was. I'm pretty certain it is the most uh, engineered and built project that uh, Tom's ever done. Okay. Uh, I forget what the total uh, amount of 
uh, fill that was brought into the island. They they dredged out a bunch of uh, a fill from the nearby river mm-hmm. out of the island. It was like that is like one and a wild. half million cubic meters or something like that. <laughs> uh, it was a lot. Yeah, and it ended up uh, the the whole job ended up being like a wall to wall shape job. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, they, they, there's another contractor who is doing some like really big grading, mm-hmm. but uh, we still had to we still had to shove a lot <laughs> to yeah, to a make a to lot make, of stuff to to make things uh you know into what we wanted make make them you know be interesting golf holes and make them look cool and natural sure. as well. So so the land and the ground did not look anything like it did when the project was coming to a. A close as it did when you guys first arrived. Not at all. <laughs> you would, wouldn't even be able to tell it was the same place. Uh, no, not really. It's it was almost dead flat. Wow. Okay. Uh, all the way across. Yeah, just imagine, uh, you know, just big, uh, you know, Southeast Asian typhoons hitting over and over and just piling into this river, and it just it's all just. Yeah. Coming right out. It just that's wild. It, when it when it goes through and, and goes over the top of the island, it just wipes out anything that's there. Man. So that's there's there were like two Whew. couple levels on the island and yeah, one was the low one and the other was kind of the high one. Sure. <laughs> the bigger the bigger higher plateau. Yeah. All right. I don't know how much you're gonna like me asking you this question and I'm not sure you have an answer. I, I, I don't really know, so I'm just gonna throw it out there. How did you and how did it feel? To be one of Matt Janella's five up-and-coming golf course <laughs> architects. Yeah. <laughs> did uh, Matt reach out to you? No, he did not. Okay. Uh, I was totally caught off guard. I, mean, I got a <laughs> I got a text from uh, Josh Smith and you know telling me congrats and all that, and I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? And, <laughs> and I go on Twitter and I I see it like posted you know by you know a few of the other guys on the on the list and and uh, at first I. I it was a little like, mm, like what, oh shoot, what? What, what, what did he say? Like, <laughs> like I, I just, I was most worried that he's gonna give me credit for you know some of you know or full credit for some of the you know products that I worked on mm-hmm. when it's you know <laughs> other guys who were you know there in the first place. So but thankfully he didn't. So that was fine. Um, but uh, you know it was it was it was flattering. Uh, it was pretty cool to be you know on the list i have you know i really like all those other guys and I, I know some better than others but have you crossed paths with uh most of the guys on on that list uh, uh yeah okay so you know all of them personally at mm-hmm. least to some extent yeah okay awesome and uh i guess that'll leave you another one do you think obviously yourself and all the guys on that list um it seems like they're you know disciples of you know you know a, a core crenshaw yeah. or, or a doke or something like that and guys who've been working on their teams for a while that you know have, have likely proven that they're fully capable of doing a project on their own um but it seems like it's really challenging um especially for someone kind of just breaking into the profession to distinguish themselves enough where the you know a developer will tr- entrust them with their whole project um and you know, coming from a, a young guy like yourself who's you know, hungry and looking for a, a big project to take on and, and kind of prove himself. What, why do you think it is, what makes that challenging? Because it seems like a couple of guys are continuing to get a good amount of work, you know, and the guys who have proven themselves, you know, for, for decades. I mean, I'm talking like the Tom Fazios and the Core Crenshaws. Those guys seem to be able to secure themselves a good number of work because they're proven They've done it for a long time, and they have yep. a track record of making an excellent product. Mm-hmm. How, what do you see as a good way for young architects like yourself and maybe those guys that you're on the list with to be able to kind of break through and finally be able to just kind of take on a project as as a lead designer of record? Because it, it seems really challenging, and I, I, I can imagine is. some it's of the barriers, but you know, yeah. what are some of the things you've encountered and in, in what makes it challenging, and are, is there anything that you're doing to kind of circumvent that and, and you know try to get past it? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. That's definitely the, the number one challenge right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. For those other guys, they've got something, you know, they've, they've got stuff under their belt and they can point to that and say, you know, here you go. Yeah. You know, this, this is uh you know, what I, what I can do for you, what we can do for you. Sure. Yeah. 
you know, to some extent I can kind of, you know, say that with, you know, some of the projects I've gotten to work on, but, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's the big challenge right now. Um, it's always kind of, kind of figuring it out every day almost. Uh, well, do, do you just, think it's, it's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off no, there. No, no, um, no, do, do you think it's more a matter of, you know, if somebody's going to be putting the money into building a golf course, do you think there's still that that mindset is still in place where I have to have a brand name on my golf course in order to attract golfers? Like, listen, I would hire you. You're really, really talented. But if it says this golf course is designed by Jack Nicholas, I just know there's going to be a certain amount of people that want to come and play it. Do you think yeah. that do you think that still has a big part to do in it? Because it seems to me like people are becoming more and more aware of how talented mm-hmm. the young generation of you know golf designers yeah. are. But it, there's but. That being said, it still seems like there's just not that there's just not enough opportunities being given or presented, I should say, um, to those younger guys. And then maybe it's just a matter of there's not mm-hmm. that much work out there, or I, I don't really know no, what all the factors are. No, there's definitely not that much work, in, you know, out there in general. Still, especially when it comes to new builds, you know, the kind of stuff that you know myself and some other guys you know, that we're fighting for right now is just smaller you know renovation project which i'm totally you know happy with and i just want to help out golf courses and you know make them be the best that they can mm-hmm. um but as far as like the new stuff it's yeah there's still a little bit of that um you know brand name you know issue in some places but in other cases it's kind of you know there's like the sand valleys of the world and you know a lot of you know mike kaiser's projects and those type of projects and they're still kind of you know doke and uh you know hans and the breeze and you know kid and corin crenshaw they've they've all they've all you know done some great stuff uh, amazing stuff you know in these courses but the new opportunities that come up it's it's still them Right. And, you know, they're going to continue to do awesome stuff. I don't know, uh, you know, when it's going to be some of the the younger crew, some of those guys on the list who are going to start getting those opportunities. I'm not sure. Um, and, yeah. Do you think there's more opportunity if you were to go abroad, or does it kind of seem like it's similar no matter where you go? Because I noticed there's, I mean, there's obviously golf courses being built all over Asia. Mm-hmm. all the time I mean, that, that that's one place where it seems like new development hasn't necessarily yeah it certainly hasn't slowed down like it has in the united states um i mean i lived in korea for a couple of years i know they're building golf courses like crazy over there uh, i know they're doing the same thing in china i'm even starting to see yeah. a lot of projects in southeast asia uh starting to be developed um, is, is that something that all of you guys are always kind of keeping your ear to the ground on and looking for opportunities over there mm. sort of the problem with those is that they tend to be really high profile, you know, big time, you know, jobs associated with a fancy hotel or, mm. you know, whatever else. And yeah, they're going to be going after those big names or, okay. you know, at the very least somebody who's got a lot of experience over there and dealing with that sort of thing. And, you know, they, they kind of end up being less about the golf anyway, which I mean, at the end of the day, that's not quite as fulfilling. Hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. It's, I don't know. It's just uh, I I just see some of the work that you've done and some of the work that these other young uh, you know designers and architects have done, and just there's so much talent out there, and I just would love nothing more than to see some of you guys get an opportunity to really no, be, really yeah. flex and re- really you know <laughs> sh- show your stuff. I, I just uh, I don't know. I will be doing whatever I can to try to uh, funnel any uh, any rumors that I hear of stuff uh, your guys' way because I think that would be absolutely awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely would be uh, much appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I brought up uh, just an example, um, bringing up that article we had referenced uh, from Andy and the Friday regarding that development in Boca Raton, Florida, where oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that municipality is looking to invest millions and millions of dollars uh, into basically building a Too new much. golf complex, mm-hmm. which certainly does seem overdone, but... Uh, a quote in it that I thought was really fascinating was David McClay kid saying the best thing they could possibly do is hire somebody with little to no experience who's hungry because they're going to come in and they're going to do the best job versus 
someone like a you know I'm, I'm not trying to call out jack nicholas because i've said his name a couple times and <laughs> i like a lot of nicholas courses i caddied on a nicholas course for five years that i think is fantastic but you know it's the nicholas company is working on what 20 projects at any given time whereas you know you bring in someone who's going to basically live on site and make it their their life mm-hmm. it, it would only yeah. make sense that if that's the kind of attention that a project's getting the final product's going to be better and it just seems a little crazy that um just simply the name still continues to be a big seller and you know a key decision uh, you know a, a factor in decision making i don't know just uh I'm sure, I'm sure you probably, you know, you just nodding your head kind of agreeing, but I don't know. I just, I find that, I found that quote from David Kidd very interesting. Yeah. I mean, and he even like, you know, added on like, you know, I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot here because yeah, right? he's, he's not you know, of that, you know, age or part of his career anymore. But, uh, I mean, without, you know, to my own horn, I, th- I think generally, yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you're going to get, you know, anybody who's on the cusp of, you know, getting to their own, to the point of having their own designs or doing their own designs has already, you know, gone through a lot and you know, kind of gone through the gauntlet of, there's a, there's a very strong weeding out process sure. <laughs> in this business, yeah, which is a good thing because you know, there's only... You know, so many, uh, you know, spots, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's going to be the type of person that's going to be really, you know, hungry to to get out there and, you know, not just, you know, make a name for themselves and, you know, you know be able to claim their own design and all that. It's, you know, they're hungry just to do something cool mm-hmm. and, you know, do something fun and make something great. Sure. Uh, first and foremost, you know, beyond the notoriety and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that, uh, more good golf gets, gets to be built by a larger number of, uh, of designers and architects. Cause I think yeah, be variety yeah. is the spice of life, Brett. <laughs> We'll put her. Yeah. Let's put it in the wrap. <laughs> I think Brett, that's good. <laughs> thank you very, very much, man. This is a real pleasure. I really appreciate you uh, coming, coming all the way up here to rainy and foggy Sonoma County for a nice, but hey, we got to a nice little round of golf in today. Yeah, we, 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 we just beat the rain. So got a good, good, solid podcast in. So uh, on that note, everybody, thank you very much uh, for listening. Brett, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks so much. And that is a wrap. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, once again, this episode was presented by Health IQ. Uh, visit healthiq.com forward slash golf guide to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. And also don't forget to go and register for our Green Valley Play Day on Monday, March 12th. Uh, do that by visiting golfguide.net and uh, visit, uh, you know, search Green Valley in the search bar and then purchase the Play Day certificate at the top of the Green Valley page. All right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. And until then, mahalo. Mahalo.